This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Wirth talks about spiritual darkness. Did we just experience a spiritual darkness with COVID? Why did Mother Teresa and other saints experience spiritual darkness? What should we do if we find ourselves in a state of spiritual darkness? Well, let's find out. Father Joshua is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Toman. Father Josh is the pastor of St. Bernard Parish in Ellsworth and is the Catholic chaplain of the Ellsworth Correctional Facility. He was instrumental in helping Divine Mercy Radio get off the ground and running. He wrote, he helped write the mission statement and began the double-edged sword shows. And he also serves as vocation director for our diocese with Father Andy Hammocking. So welcome to the station. Well, thank you, George. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. It's been, been a little bit since get a chance to talk. So folks, Father Jiz's talk today is going to be on spiritual darkness. Now I will say briefly as a psychologist, one of my, one of my, um, I don't want to call it guilty pleasures because that's a bad way to put it. But Mm -hmm. when you're a psychologist, you can't help but wonder sometimes if some of the things that you're seeing are as a manifestation of the human brain going wacko, or Mm -hmm. is there something else going on? And we know from uh, from work in, in spiritual warfare, that one of the big pieces of discernment is figuring out, is it truly a psychological illness or is there something else influencing it? And that's where someone like Father who has some knowledge behind that can help discern. Now, again, yeah. not to get into that, because I'll be spoiling the talk, but mm-hmm. Father, my first question to you, what is spiritual darkness? Like, like you know, is it is it personal, general? Is it in the culture? Is it both? What is that for listening audience? Well, when we think of uh, spiritual darkness, you know, first idea usually comes is depression. It's the psychological idea of depression or a bad time or something. But it could also be as uh, the expert on all things mystical is the doctor of the church. We're talking about faith of our fathers, doctor of the church, St. John the Cross. And he wrote his famous poem, Dark Night of the Soul. And then he wrote 200 pages about what that what that poem means. <laughs> so, um, and actually, when he was talking about Dark Knight of Soul, he's talking about this journey, journey towards the Lord, and that we got we can impose darkness on ourselves, and we can, and God sometimes imposes darkness on us, and in order for some greater clarity to come from from the Lord. So first off, you know, whenever we pray, what we usually do, we usually close our eyes. We're closing, we're going into darkness so we can stop being distracted by the things of this world that we're seeing and we can better focus on the Lord and, and his will and what he wants for us. So some of it can be imposed. And in fact, we usually do that during Lent. We try to put some kind of, uh, you know, challenge into our life, try to detach ourselves from something. That's, that's what um, St. John of Cross is the master of, is, is detachment. It's looking at our life. Is there a place where we can be pruned? Is there something we're going to be, that's going to be the next uh, weekend's uh, readings is going to be the vine and the branches and, and the vine that produces fruit is pruned so it can produce more fruit. So where can we in our life look? Is this producing fruit for the Lord's harvest or is this just an attachment I have and is it is it bringing me any closer to the Lord so I, can I drop it and dropping that there's a pain to it there's a pain to it can I can the Lord use that pain or am I just going to replace it with another 
comfort thing. So, we, you know, you see it often with um, people that are addicts that they'll stop drinking, but then they're going to pick up smoking. You know, they're going to. So there's the pain of the darkness of that thing I've been leaning on my whole life. Now it's taken away. Am I going to lean on the Lord or am I going to lean on some other creature, some other created thing? So it could be personal. It could be general, as in the whole world, I think, in a way, is going through with this pandemic, is going through a dark night of soul where a lot of things that we were dependent upon for our comfort, for our entertainment, for our our solace isn't there anymore. And we can use that as opportunity to, you know, Maybe I didn't need that. Maybe I didn't need that. And I can pick up the Bible now or I can pick up the catechism now. And I can see if the Lord is using, you know, using this to, to bring me closer to him. Or we can, the, this is where the devil comes in and the devil says, oh, now you got this extra time. Now you got, now you can really splurge on video games or, you know, a lot of men struggling with uh, pornography during the pandemic or, you know, alcohol or whatever it is. And until the world gets back and it's, and the devil will say, it's not your fault. The world's crazy right now. So why don't you just go on a mental vacation until everything goes back to the way it was. And that's, that can become a self-imposed darkness where we're not, we're no longer focusing on the Lord. We're just focusing on our own inadequacies, and we're not trying to fix them or ask the Lord to heal them. We're just making things worse. So in a way, it's it's kind of a half glass empty, half full. Do we want to use this as uh, just another, find another distraction to take, you know, for the things that were taken away during the pandemic and find another way to distract ourselves? Or can we ask the Lord, Lord, come into this darkness, come into this lack of dependency I have right now on the things I usually do and and fill it with with your light with your love so the whole the whole um story uh, that poem of dark night of soul is not actually about depression it's about everything being quiet or being still nobody's observing him that means no attachments and he goes out to his um his lover and so it's the beloved and the beloved so the dark night of the senses and the spirit has to happen so that this love affair with the lord can happen when we get into those dark moments mm-hmm. being able to say who do we want to turn to yeah and we know that it is christ who's going to give us the ultimate fulfillment may not be the easiest or most attractive thing to 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 do but nonetheless Nonetheless, that's there any thoughts about that, your father? Yeah, there's there's that idea, um, but I think we lose a lot of this idea of darkness and light because we live in electronic age and lamp posts and and all these things. Where when Saint John of Cross was talking about this, you know, it was all candles and and very difficult. And but also, if you're going to go out at night, Father Fred also talks about this all the time with light pollution. All right that some of those lights in our life have to be put out, have to be put out because they are not God. They are, even though they can be good sometimes, they are not God and they're distracting us from from the moon or they're distracting us from the stars that we can't see with clarity what's going on because there's so much uh, light at, at our eye level. And so there's, there's the kind of... Um, spiritual darkness that also just falls upon people un, 
unknowingly or unwittingly, and it could be sickness, it could be a loss of a loved one, it could be a loss of a job, it could be, you know, so, and again, you could, somebody could say, well, I lost my job, nobody's going to blame me if I go out and drink tonight or something like that, or you go, Lord, Lord, that was blinding me to your beauty. You know, I was working, just killing myself for this, and I was ignoring my family, I was ignoring my my spouse, and now that light is out. Now I can focus more on what you want me to focus. What do you want me to do with this time between jobs? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to and And asking the Lord and just inviting him into the darkness of that situation, and not just saying, I've got to, I got to find another light. I've got to find another thing to replace that thing that I lost because I was so dependent on it. But using that, so sometimes it's um, the devil testing us. Sometimes it's an evil of this fallen world, you know, like sickness. Sometimes it's some it's thing that the Lord has allowed to happen so that some greater good can come out of it. And maybe that greater good is we focus better. You know, this pandemic, we so many things have come into focus, our mortality. We go, wow, we're going to die. What am I going to die of one day? And what do I need to do to prepare for that? You know, America's really faced with its mortality this year and been put in kind of a darkness. And, and we can either panic with that or we can, and that's what the devil wants us to do is to panic, or we can invite the Lord into it. And we, the great thing about a crucified Lord is, is uh, whenever you think you go down in the dark and you're all alone, and you get to the darkest point in your life, you find that Jesus has been there waiting for you. And he goes, finally, a companion to share my suffering. Will you please now share my suffering? So we're not far away from the Lord when we're suffering. We're not far away from the Lord when we're in darkness. We're, we're extremely close to the Lord in our suffering. We're extremely close to the Lord in our darkness. And he, he might just be beyond our reach in the darkness and we can't, but if we just put our hand out and then he'll take, he'll take our hand. Or the devil says, no, reach out to this other creature, this other comfort, this other thing, and that will get you through the darkness. So that that's always the decision we, we have to make in, in times like this. How does one know they're in spiritual darkness? Yeah. Um, we know we're in spiritual darkness when nothing satisfies. Nothing satisfies us. And that could even be like I said, something that God has willed for us. You know, I find a lot of people are having, struggling with their faith, you know, in the church right now. They're in kind of spiritual darkness with the church. Who do I trust? Who do I turn to? Who do I listen to? They listen to some commentators on on the church, and it, all they come out of there with is discouragement and anger and feelings of grief and loss. And those are those opportunities where you got to say, okay, is this bringing any fruit to my life? Is this bringing any fruit to the the kingdom of God? Is this bringing any fruit to my faith? Is this increasing all that stuff? And then where can we ask the Lord to prune that? And we might, we might, so that's being allowed by God to happen. But where can we kind of take control and say, okay, I've been depending on this kind of um, anger porn in a way, <laughs> this anger pornography in a way, every morning when I get up in the morning, and I'm almost dependent on it for fuel to drive me and stuff. Let me prune that away. Let me prune that away. Let me detach myself from that. What else? 
Lord, what, what can I fill that spot with? Something wholesome, something good that brings me inspiration, that brings me solace, that brings me comfort to my soul. And it will help me encourage other people that are also feeling that same anger towards the church or whatever it may be. I think that's that's a spiritual uh, darkness that a lot of people are finding themselves in right now. Or it could just be something, you know, I'm, I'm known as kind of, I play a lot of video games and stuff, or I used to, but, um, uh, and then during the pandemic, I was like, oh, I got all this time to play video games now. <laughs> and I was like, really pouring myself into this video game that, and these video games now are designed that they never end. Yep. And they're designed for, you know, whatever you call the... Uh, Diminishing returns, yep. basically, so the psychological hook of gamification. Of, yep, just just keep on yeah. going, and keep keep and, it coming, and yep. gets more money out of you, more money, more money out of you, and um, and I found myself staying up late playing video games and getting up early, you know, not to pray, but to to get that dopamine fix, get whatever that, and and but then I, I you know, I just really took it to Jesus one time. I said, I said, where is the fruit here? Do I f- feel at peace when I'm done playing video games? No, I'm all anxious because it's got all those those uh, reward centers on my brain just like cranked up to eleven. And do I do I feel relaxed? No. Do I feel accomplishment? No. Do I feel I feel like I'm uh, I gotta break I gotta get less sleep. I got anxiety because I gotta get this mission done. I gotta get this. I got to get my next level. I gotta get my next reward and and. Um, and finally, I, I just said, I got it. Lord, take this away. Prune this from me. And it, and it hurt. It hurt. And I probably haven't played. Uh, I just, I'm sick of it. I, try, I even tried a couple of times. <laughs> but the Lord's given me this kind of nausea about it, you know, nausea about it, that um, there's just nothing nothing to it now. It's just all straw now. And uh, and so um, I haven't really replaced it with, you know, with some, I've replaced it with some spiritual re- reading, and but... I haven't replaced with the healthy of, the, of things, but this is all something that the Lord, I think, can use this kind of nausea for the creation of different created things of the world, you know, whether it be Netflix or but YouTube videos or or whatever we distract ourselves from. The only thing that matters is, is Jesus. And so we can all find ourselves in this period of darkness where this doesn't satisfy me. Why doesn't this satisfy me anymore? And we can just go on to, well, they just don't, Hollywood just doesn't make any good shows anymore, right? And we can blame Hollywood and blame Netflix. And if, if Netflix would just come out with a good show, then I, w- I would be satisfied, <laughs> right? Then we go back to the old ones of nostalgia. We'll go watch Friends again or The Office for the 100th time or something. And trying to get all get that excitement again that we had the first time we watched it. And now it's not there. This is actually a good thing. This is actually a good thing. And instead of looking for that next fix, we can say, Lord, strip me of this. Strip me from my expectations, you know, my disappointment from the election or whatever it may be, my disappointment with the church, whatever it is. You know, take all this, all this stuff that I, I you know, I still hang around people and they want to talk about the election. I was like, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what good is any of this complaining and hand-wringing going to do? And so I, something in St. John the Cross, I really, you know, trying to detach yourself. He says, he says, for the mortifying and claiming of our four natural passions, which are joy, hope, fear, and grief from the concord and pacification, 
where have come these and other blessings. The counsels here following are of the greatest help and of great merit and the source of great virtues. All right. So he's pretty much saying do do the opposite of what you're usually think. Strive after prefer, not which is easiest, but that is most difficult. Wow. Not that it is most delectable, but that which is most unpleasing. Not that which is most give pleasure, but rather that which gives least. Not that which is restful, but that which is worrisome. Not that it gives consola- which is consolation, but rather that is disconsolate. Not that it is greatest, but which is the least. Not that which is the loftiest and most precious, but which is the lowest and most despised. And this is the problem with modern Christianity that we see on the TV and stuff is we think it's following Jesus is just consolation after consolation after blessing after blessing. And you're just going from one thing. And St. John the Cross picked his name for a reason. Jesus said, pick up your cross. And cross is not consolation from consolation. It's times of great sacrifice and suffering your whole life through with, and then the Lord, when he sees that you're at your weakest, he gives you a season of refreshment. He gives you a season of, of encouragement. He gives you a season of consolation. But, and I think we've all had that, you know, at some point in our life, and St. John the Cross says is that when we're first starting our discipleship, and we're just beginners of following the Lord. We get all kinds of consolation. He does. He does that for beginners. Saint John the Cross says. But you can't. That's that's the mother's milk. All right. But you can't stay there forever. And if you if you do, you're going to be infantile in, in your faith. That's not real faith. All right. Real faith is a sacrifice. We make our body a sacrifice. We make our life a sacrifice to the Lord through suffering. And so now you got to move on to the solid food. All right. And that's going to require. Um, disciplining yourself, disciplining your p- passions, detaching yourself so that you are less de- attached to the world and more and more attached to only Christ. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about spiritual darkness with Father Joshua Worth. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Spiritual Darkness. With Father Joshua Wirth. George Toman conducts the interview. We are listening to Father Joshua Wirth talking about spiritual darkness. And Father, I want to switch, not switch gears, but let's let's talk about our Lord just a tad here. So we talked about this connection mm-hmm. to our Lord in the cross. So did Jesus heal people from spiritual darkness? And can you share some of those stories for the audience? Well, in terms of the spiritual darkness that we suffer because we feel like we're alone or that we're sick or or um, we're outcast, all of, all of Christ's healings were in some way dealing with these people that were in the spiritual darkness of that God has forgotten me or God has has punished me in some way. You know, even the woman at the well, even though she was out in the middle of the day and the sun and everything, she was still in spiritual darkness because of her many failed relationships. And and I was uh, thinking about her. You know, if you've watched the Chosen series, you know, that first season ends with, with uh, Jesus talking to her. And... And Jesus is just so amazing, you know. If, if if somebody came to me and they 
had been married five times, I don't know if I'd give him much attention. You know, I'd kind of say, same. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, same. No, same. Yeah. You're you're a lost cause. But Jesus was like, no, this this you're you're trapped in spiritual darkness. You ha- keep on thinking that that the next man is going to fix you. All right, the next relationship is going to fix you, and I'm here to tell you. I'm that man that's going to fix you, all right? But it's not going to be the sexual uh, aspect that's going to be it. It's going to be that that love, that real love that you've only seen shadows of your whole life. And now I'm going to give you that real love, that real truth. And it changes her whole life. And she just can't wait to tell other people that she's experienced this real love, this real truth. And so all kinds of, of stories of people being healed from from spiritual darkness um, in the Bible. Um, but just, you know, Jesus, he, this pandemic has really opened up my mind in, in the aspects of, of the mass, you know, how, how people were plunged into spiritual darkness, not able to go to mass, not able to receive communion, right? But that God was able to bring so much out of them. And a hunger, and that was like, okay, well, what what is my what do we want? And so then, when the mass came back, so much of things that we thought was important in the mass, or the prayers in the mass, got dropped. You know, the sign of peace, right? We don't have to pass the collection baskets around, right? Uh, the children's liturgy of the word, right? Whatever it may be, the chalices, all the extra chalices, all the extra Eucharist ministers and stuff, and so the Lord might be might be saying to us, okay, don't just assume that because it's in the church that it's going to lead you to me or it's going to, it's going to give folk more focus. So now as we bring this stuff back, I think we can examine all of, uh, you know, I'm hoping priests will examine, does this bear fruit? Is this something that is bearing fruit in our prayer? Or is this something that's distracting us from our prayer? And it's just adding on to the mass and just it's getting bogged down with so many different things. You know, I don't know when if the chalices will ever come back, but I think that's good because people people get uh, confused when they hear the words of, of the consecration, take all this and, and and drink. And people go, oh, Jesus is talking to me. But we forget, who was he talking to at the Last Supper? He was talking to the apostles, not Mary, not Mary Magdalene. And so the priests are required to receive from the chalice, but, but the people are not because the fullness of, of the Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity is found there in the host, right? You're not getting 50% of Jesus when, if you only receive the host and not from the chalice. So this clears up a lot, a lot of misunderstanding just by, by this happening. We're getting a better focus on the Eucharist. We're getting better hunger for the Eucharist and more worthy rece- reception of the Eucharist. Like, I haven't been, you know, so many people haven't been gone to confession, so they're like, okay, I need to go to confession. It's been a long time. Even though it hasn't been a sin to miss Mass, I still feel like I, I need to go to confession and, and clear it up. And there's been so many people that have gone to confession and go, I don't, I know it's not a sin to miss Mass, but I could have gone to Mass and I didn't, and I want to confess that, right? They want to, they want to make sure they say that to the Lord. I'm sorry. I could have been here, and, and I wasn't, even though I know it's not a sin right now. But um, And so what is that? That's being plunged in the spiritual darkness and Jesus saying, Jesus saying, all that stuff you thought would lead you uh, to me was just distracting you. Now 
now, now come up even higher than you were before. And that's kind of what happens over and over again. We get plunged into the valley, and then we get taken to a higher mountaintop. Plunged into the valley, taken to a higher, higher mountaintop. And um, instead, of, uh, instead of fighting that, we can participate in that and say, in our prayer, Lord, prune me. What, what's, what's giving fruit? What's giving fruit in my life? And, and let me not be dependent on just the consolations but let me be dependent on those things that are, that are those sacrifices. What more can I sacrifice for you? I heard an interesting story just on the other day listening to EWTN radio here about Mother Angelica. I was surprised to hear about her that she told everybody, uh, you know, if she was in a coma and the only way that she could stay alive was extraordinary means, she said, put every machine you have on me. I want to, because this is the only time I'll be able to suffer for my Lord in a body. No other time. Make myself a living sacrifice. Make myself a living sacrifice for him. It's not necessary, we know, uh, uh, according to Catholic theology. So she was doing this as an extra thing extra. for the Lord. Wow. Extra thing for the Lord. I said that to my dad the other day. You want me to do that, Dad, to you? And he goes, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Father Carol Waitiwa, yeah. St. John Paul II, his dissertation, he took, he was talking about the relationship between faith and then like how St. John of the Cross interprets that, I believe, in, in chapter 8 of Dark Night of the Soul. Mm -hmm. And basically just making this connection that about the faith being a gift, but what we have to do to help kind of nourish that and, and whatnot. But again, such a deep, deep study that can only be done through having to live that that, yeah. that darkness live that that kind of life as and, well. and for those who don't know he he um was trying to reform the carmelites and the carmelite brothers turned on him many of them and um imprisoned him in a in a small monk cell with, with just a breviary they, they wouldn't allow him to say mass he had just had a little window for light to read his breviary by and they would take him out every day and beat him and but he was always seeking the least, he was like, this is just another thing that I can unattach myself from. And so he would compose these these poems in his head, and they were a way that he could memorize his theology in this poem in a way. And then when he was able to, uh, when he left there, and, and he was able to write down his poems and, and explain it, all his theology in those poems, but terrible terrible suffering but just deep 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 love for the lord it, that poem is a again a, a romantic poem about i have nothing in this life but my lover the lover and the beloved and and how i look towards that and that's that's my solace that's my comfort and it's always always the lord that he's finding comfort in do you have any saints that that you know that experience spiritual darkness maybe maybe some others that we we haven't described yet or if we have described it, maybe a little more of their story. Yeah. And how did they overcome it? Because I think that's something for the listening audience, too. It's not like the spiritual darkness just, like, hovers over you and then, you know, you don't know what to do with it. Right. There, there's ways to to kind of help it manage and get out of it. And we've hinted at a few of those things, but let's bring it right to the forefront. What, mm -hmm. what about that, Father? Well, the, you know, the question was about um, Mother Teresa, her her dark night, her darkness. And... Um, and her beginning of her kind of second vocation was filled with all kinds of consolation. You know, that beginning of her, she heard the voice of Jesus that that she's supposed to be the servant to the poor, and she would pick these people up and and wash them, and suddenly they would turn into Jesus right in front of her, right? And just all this great consolation, consolation, consolation. Then 
spiritual darkness for 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 forty years until her until her death. And why why does the Lord do that? Because it's so easy to follow the Lord when He's healing people, when He's forgiving people, when He's feeding people. But then who's going to follow him when he's just carrying his cross? Is that the only reason we follow the Lord is because he's a big vending machine we put in that hour of prayer and he gives us a blessing back, right? Or are we going to follow him because he's God and he's true and he's just? Or do we have to get something out of it? It wasn't his death on the cross enough, or do we have to get something besides that? And so he invites us, everybody to a certain degree, but he especially invited Mother Teresa into this deep, deep, will you suffer with me? Will you suffer caring when everybody fled? When everybody fled, will you stay here with me in the suffering of the cross? And will you help me carry my cross in this way? And she always called Jesus the absent one. She couldn't feel his presence anymore after after she she had felt it for so strong. So, But that was an invitation to that purification. There was just nothing, nothing. Also, after those great experiences, there was there's no worldly thing that could compare to that. So she was purified. There was Saint Teresa of Avila. She had, she was a contemporary of uh, Saint John the Cross, and she was making great progress, great progress. But she kind of got stalled, just a, you know, little attachments here and there and stuff. And and uh, and this funny thing happened right before her great mystical experience of being wedded to Christ. This mystical marriage. St. John the Cross came to give her the Eucharist through the bars there at the convent, and, he, and usually he gave her the biggest piece of the Eucharist. And he, his fingers kind of ho- hovered over it, and she had always kind of delighted in receiving the first, and there was something that just told him, and so he grabbed the smallest piece and, and gave her the Eucharist. Now, th- theologically, she knew that it was the same thing, Right? Why did she? Do? And so they discussed it. They discussed again, going back to receiving the chalice and the and the host. Theologically, it's the same thing. Why do we get attached to the chalice? Right? Why do we get attached to that? And it's just one little attachment that she had to get rid of. And they talked about that, and and she she sacrificed that little attachment to the Lord. And that night she was wedded to the Lord in the in spiritual mind. That was the last thing she needed in order for this great mystical experience to happen. And so there's all kinds of uh, great stories. Of course, the his own his own one, St. Teresa, the, uh, the little flower, she, um, she had terrible spiritual darkness right before she died. And um, part of it was she wanted to be everything. She wanted to be a missionary. She wanted to be a martyr. She wanted to be a bishop. She wanted to be a pope. She wanted to be a priest. And she couldn't be everything. She had to give those attachments to the Lord. You know, but she died at 24, and that was usually when priests were ordained. And she said, that this is actually a grace the Lord has given me because she knows how – the Lord knows how much I would suffer knowing – seeing my uh, brother amongst the same age as me becoming priests, and I can't become a priest. And and then suddenly her faith returned at that last moment before her death. And so great moments where the Lord's inviting us into his suffering. And that's faith. Faith, you know, St. John of Cross says over and over again, faith is not hearing God's voice. Faith is not seeing visions of him. It says, 
those are all the senses. The senses are most easily tricked by the devil. He likes to give us that false stuff. But we live by faith, not by sight. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe, right? And that is, will you follow him even if you don't get any consolations out of it, even if you don't get any visions out of it, even if you don't get any locutions out of it and hearing things out of it, you don't get any sweet fragrances out of it, will you still follow him or is that the only reason you're following? So Jesus is always plumbing the depths of our heart, trying to cut those strings that aren't going to last. They're all going to fade away. It seems like our life is nothing but building things up and our property and our attachments and our and then the rest of our life is it's slowly being pilled away. We got to give up our money to medical people. We got to give up our health. We got to give up our body. We got to give up our relationships as people die. We got to give up our property as it goes on to other people. And it's just now it's all sacrifice and giving away and it's not going to last. And we can get all sentimental about it. We can say, but I want it the way it was before the pandemic, right? No, some of that stuff doesn't need to come back. Some of that stuff was superfluous and we can get rid of it now. God's God's given us a, a season to where he's plunged us into the darkness. And I said, I don't, I lived the whole year without that thing. I don't, I don't need it anymore, right? All I need is him. All I need is him. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's what we can really say, uh, the Lord be praised, that he brings, he brings good out of, out of everything, and he's bringing good even out of this. This is, you know, one one of your opinions. Do you think Mary, our Blessed Lady, ever experienced spiritual darkness? Um, not in the sense that uh, we do. We do with our with our fallen nature, which she didn't have. With our concupiscence, our spiritual dark, darkness quickly goes to: Is God really good? Why would God do this to me? And you know, and it takes it takes a long time. Saints can sometimes attain it. You know, Saint Paul could. He can get, uh, they're throwing rocks at him and rocks are hitting his head. He said, oh man, God's going to bring something good out of that. God's going to bring something good out of that, right? Right in the moment, right? But we got, we need time in order to see, um, oh, I know I see where God brought some good. But, um, so Mary never did that. She never doubted God's goodness. She, she always just said, wow, God's going to, I don't understand this, but God's going to bring something amazing out of this, right? And um, the spiritual darkness that she she felt would be helplessness, you know, seeing her son go off. And they captured this the other day in, in the Chosen series, one of the new episodes that that he doesn't, he was born helpless and, and God needed help. And I was there to help him and, and that satisfied me. That felt so good. And then he got older and he didn't need my help anymore. And that hurts, it hurts in a way. And then the helplessness of seeing him on the cross and can't can't do anything. She wants, all, you know, as a as a good mother, as a good parent, I wish all this could happen to me instead of to him, right? So that, but now she's she's losing her identity totally in, into her son, where she she is suffering with her son in this sacrifice. You know, the disciple that didn't run away, Mary, and following him, and and so and that's. And then I also, I think it's consoling to think about, you know, well, she lost her son, but then three days later she got him back. Well, yes, for about 40 days, right, on, on and off. 
But then she had to wait till she passed to, to be reunited with him again. All right. So we all have if we lose loved ones, we're all in that in that spot with, uh, you know, especially if somebody loses a child. We all have to wait to be reunited with that person again. OK, so that that longing again, that longing is a spiritual darkness where in some ways it makes things easier because like oh, I'm not going to get attached to that because that's just going to pull me away from reunification with my with Jesus. Right. So all that. Um, so, yeah, she felt that in that sense, she felt spiritual darkness, but never, you know, I stub my toe and I go, God, why <laughs> are you good? Why would you do this to your servant? Right. You know, it's like so quick, so quick. And it's slight as suffering. And, and I'm doubting God's goodness where she, she never doubted God's goodness. You know, when somebody said to me one time, well, I just said, well, look towards example, Mary. Well, she only had one kid and he was a real angel, you know. And I said, but now she's got billions of kids. And because she had no sin, if we hear about a king who had 50 kids or Genghis Kong or something, as the more kids he has, the less love he has for them, right? But that's not the way with Mary. She has billions of kids and they increases her love increases for each one as she gets more and more and more so she's got plenty of of heartache and and seeing her wayward uh children and trying to bring them to jesus over and over again trying to bring them to her son over and over again and so uh, in many ways she's still suffering as she wants that because she wants the suffering we go through she wants that on, on her and so that's a, again a choice, and that, and Jesus allows allows that to happen, because it's a request that, just as she saw Jesus suffering and she wanted that to happen to her, she sees us suffering her children, and she wants that she wants to be a part of that. She doesn't want to be far away. She wants to be close to it. Well, Father, we are near the end of our time here, and so I'll just leave since we got about two minutes. Anything else for the listening audience that you want to share? Well, there was one little thing I wanted to just a little story that I thought was. Um, but just how we, we just grab on to little things, and we think they're, they're helping us sometimes in the spiritual life. But um, St. John of the Cross has this funny thing in, in the Dark Night of the Soul. It says, I knew a person who for more than 10 years made use of a cross roughly formed from a branch. It, it was some kind of palm, palm cross that had been blessed, fastened with a pin, twist around it. He never ceased using it, and he always carried it about with him until I took it from him. And this was a person of no small sense and understanding, right? So it's clear that... These things carry no devotion or workmanship or value. Those then who start from the beginnings and make good progress attach themselves to no visible instruments. So he's trying to say, he said, don't get caught up in sentimentality. Sometimes we do. It's like, well, that's, you know, unfortunately, we're, we got to go through this, different processes of, the, of even the church. Well, that's my birth church. Yeah, nobody goes to church there anymore. Nobody gets married there anymore. Nobody, nobody um, gets buried there anymore. And we got to sell it, or we got to we got to tear it down and replace it with something. And we get all sentimental about it. And they're like, "Listen, as you said earlier, it's like all this stuff. The church is to reach people, and if the people the people aren't there, then the that parish has served its purpose. It's like we give you a good salute, we give you a good send off, but the church is a parish is not needed anymore because the community is not there anymore. We need to take those resources, and we need to go towards where the community is at. So. We get very caught up in, in sentiment, even even uh, when I was here at, at Hayes and and uh, Macklehart, we were, uh, some people said when we were going from the building the new church from the old gymnasium that we were at for 40 years or whatever to the new church, they said, well, why, do we, why do we need the new church? And I said, 
They said, it's been fine for us. For I said, it's not for you. It's not for you. It's for your great grandchildren. And don't you want them to have a nice church to be married in? And don't you want a nice place for your grandkids to be uh, baptized in? And, and that's, we're going to, and depending on how we grow our faith, we're either going to, one day that church is going to come down and it's either going to get replaced with a bigger church or a parking lot for a Walmart, right? right. But that's everything, that all passes away, that all passes away, that we can't get sentimental. So he sees that guy with his little cross that he's had since childhood and stuff, and he's so attached to it. And, and gives him, it says, don't be attached to that. It's all going to pass away. It's all going to go away. Instead, be attached to Christ. Instead, be attached to it. And he said it had no great workmanship. It wasn't some great artist. You know, It was just sentimental um, feelings that he had for that. You bet. Father, we are out of time. Thank you so much. Would you mind leading us in a quick blessing before sure. we leave? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we ask you for protections and blessings upon the people who are listening and for all of our parishes and the diocese and for all of our uh, faithful in the diocese, that your blood be upon them, protect from all attack to the enemy, both physical and spiritual. And through the intercession of Blessed Mother, bring them close to your Son. And may Almighty God bless all of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. If you would like to keep great shows like this Double-Edged Sword show on the air and help Jesus bring souls to heaven, then please go to dvmercy.com and click on donate where your donation will be very much appreciated. Or perhaps you might consider underwriting this show where your spot will run three times during the show and the show runs five times a week. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM, Lindsburg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.